welcome back to Deep in the Most, guys. I'm your host, DJ. And I'm your host, Sab. And we are on another episode of our FNC series. We are. This is FNC part 26 and episode 63. Whoa, look at that. 63 episodes. If you've been watching the show, you know how the rest of this goes. You have 62 other episodes to check out, and that includes our short stuff bonus. So be sure to check them out. It does, it does. And today the wind is blowing us to Montana. This case is the murder of Nels and Annie Anderson. And before we get any deeper into the episode, we just want to mention that um, over this weekend we're going to be going away to, you know, handle some personal matters, I guess you could say. Um, we're doing a celebration of life party for my grandmother. So it should be a whole lot of fun. Um, but that is the reason why we did not put out a full length episode for last week. It was just a short stuff bonus, but it was a case that was really, really good to cover. I think it was yeah. really, I don't know. I don't want to say fun to record, but it was just a very different case than any of the other ones that we've covered. Um, yeah, it was very short, though. It was short, but with that short information that we did have, it was it was a lot. I would say it was a great episode. It definitely was. So if you haven't taken the time to spend 20 minutes to listen to our last short stuff bonus, it was in Missouri, and it was the case of Little Jane Doe, a.k.a. Little Hope. So, yeah, get on it if you haven't, because it was really, really good. So, before we get into it, tell me a little bit about the case. I don't think I've ever actually heard of this one. Well, that's why I'd be feeling about a lot of these cases that we've covered so far. But, um, to put it simply, because this case also doesn't have a lot of information, you guys, um, and I don't want to spoil it. So, what I'm going to say is, this case reminds me of Lizzie Borden in a sense not necessarily like detail for detail but it's just a very similar eerie case pretty much okay I can roll with that it's very different though because Lizzie Borden like that basically got solved in a sense kind of like we kind of all know that she probably did it maybe she didn't but it's a very high possibility, but in this case, there's no possibility of who it could be. Hey, before we dive into the case, we have three DOMs. Man, I love when we do the DOMs. It's always fun. We always find some cool stuff. Hell yeah. We always do. And I don't know, it's just fun to talk about weird things that are happening in the world, like currently, especially when... A lot of the stuff we talk about is based in the past or things that aren't necessarily real or proven to be real, like aliens, for example. Um, so it's nice to bring in the daily dose or the weekly dose of most. <laughs> That's what our DOMs are, <laughs> dose of the most. So. so for our first DOM, we have a strange trend. In the smash hit show Stranger Things, Eleven, who's played by Millie Bobby Brown, is seen with a tattoo that reads 011, which is 11, on her wrist. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Very remarkable tattoo. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> In more ways than one. Exactly. The tattoo is given by Dr. Brenner to essentially dehumanize his patients and reduce them to a number, 
but this did not stop fans from getting the ink. And I get it. It's a cute idea. It's a cute, it's a small tattoo, of course, just a little number. And I'm sure everybody would get 11, you know, <laughs> um, not like a specific number to them. Or maybe they would, but nonetheless, um, I don't think there was ill intent with people getting these tattoos, but there's a dark, a darker story behind them. Yeah, so the thing is, like like you said, I could, I could definitely agree. I don't think there was ill intent behind it, but we live in a world now where people are so detached from historical aspects and um, connections with things. Mm -hmm. So, like, people probably don't know, like, some of the stuff that they do is connected to other things or historical events. But you would if you tuned into our Stranger Things episode. And that was just episode 62, so, I mean, you... You got time to go check it out. Yeah, but I'm not going to lie to you guys. I'm very disappointed in that episode for personal reasons. I had to edit it twice. And when it uploaded, it just, like, for some reason, the file was laggy. It just didn't upload the way it was supposed to. So I apologize for that. Um, I was really excited for that episode. And I'm really bummed that it didn't come out the way that I wanted it to. I am one of those people that didn't know the deeper meaning behind what this tattoo represents. So, I'm sure there's others out there. Did you know? Oh, yeah, no. I completely had... I was like, when I saw it, I was like, ooh, that doesn't sit well. Yeah. On May 31st, 2022, a photo of a group of friends with the number tattoo surfaced on the official Stranger Things Instagram. And, like you said, you figured they would all get 11, but they each had a different number. Okay, okay. Yeah. Nice. Shortly after, a Twitter user by the name Emily pointed out the tattoos are reminiscent of tattoos often forcefully given to concentration camp prisoners during the Holocaust. Mm. Yeah, and the only difference is Holocaust um, prisoners, they had it on their hand, and in the show, it's on oh. the wrist. Yeah. Where on their Like the top or the it's, inside? It's either like right here, like on the, probably oh. like the top, like by the thumb and the the index finger or just any or in the middle of their hand even was it to serve a similar purpose to yeah. basically break them down into just was, being a number yeah it was the same purpose it was the <sighs> same purpose disgusting honestly now we're gonna jump into earth water turbines hmm. according to a science alert tech article japanese engineers have constructed a true leviathan a beast capable of withstanding the strongest of ocean currents to transform the flow of the current into virtually limitless electricity. But what the hell is that? What is that? Some new age shit. That's what I'm going to say. Came up with the bullet train, like just, just cool stuff. And mm -hmm. even every day, like if you watch a YouTube video, there's so many cool gadgets that you can see. Like mm -hmm. this is cool. The Ishikawajima Harima Heavy Industries, a.k.a. the IHI Corp, have been developing this technology for over a decade. So they've been doing it. And honestly, that would be groundbreaking. Like, straight up. Being able to create limitless electricity. At that point, there's no excuse for people to be paying for electricity. If it's limitless. That's what I was going to ask. I was going to say, like, so it, since it's, like, limitless, do electricity bills go out of the window? Right. Like, how, or would everybody have access to electricity? Because right now, there's still a large population in the world that does not have access to electricity. Sustainable and efficient electricity. 
In February, the project reached a major milestone by completing a successful three-year test in Japanese waters. Wow. So, it's already, like, up and running. Yeah, it's, like, in the works, in the works. Nice. Kiryu, which is a 330-ton prototype, consists of 66-foot-long fuselage. What's that? Fuselage is, like, fuel timbers and stuff to make it do its thing. Oh, okay, okay. Materials. <laughs> Flanked by similar sized cylinders that house a power generation system attached to a 36 foot long turbine blade. So it's like an underwater turbine. Yeah. A huge one, though, yeah. that can withstand the pressures and the elements of the ocean. It kind of looks like a little submarine. It does, yeah. I remember looking at that picture. One, a big one, though. Yeah. Once the device is in the ocean, it finds the most efficient position to generate power from the push of a deep water current. That's amazing. And the coolest part about it is it self-orients. So it doesn't matter how they put it in the water. It'll like fix itself to find like the strongest current and use the power from that. That's cool as fuck. That's OP. OP. If Japan can like crack the code to that, I hope they share it with everybody. I hope they share it with everybody. I don't know if that's likely, but it's a possibility. Yeah. Shout out to Japan. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that is some cool shit, though. Like, they always come. I don't know how they do it, but then we hear stuck. Yeah. <laughs> Third and final DOM is a whole new world. A never-before-seen ecosystem lurks in an underground river deep below the icy surface in Antarctica. Now, there's a lot of conspiracy theories surrounding Antarctica, which we will be. Oh, yeah, we got to get into getting into eventually but um i don't know like this is surprising but not too surprising oh not at all because what else would there be right researchers recently found a secret subterranean habitat under the larsen ice shelf and this is a massive ice sheet attached to the east coast of antarctica wow yeah and this ice shelf is actually home to one of the biggest icebergs in 2021 oh okay yeah damn that's weird and we're just now figuring this out the team of scientists drilled 1640 feet below the icy surface and used a hot water hose to get underground damn that's deep yeah at this point they sent a camera down and were absolutely surprised by the swarm of crustaceans that blurred the camera view Ew, that's gross. I mean, a bunch of sea roaches, but I mean... This is why people are scared of, like, the water. Like, what's in our oceans? Because they're always discovering something new, and the shit that they find is just scary. A physical oceanographer from NIWA, or the National Institute of Water and Atmospheric Research, in New Zealand, by the way, um, by the name of Craig Stevens stated... Having all those animals swimming around our camera means that an important ecosystem process is happening. This discovery of the secret shrimp-infested structure had the team jumping for joy. It has been long suspected that there were vast lakes and rivers under the ice caps, but this recent discovery surprised researchers because it looked totally different than they expected. And that's all for our DOMs this episode, but now we can get into the meat of the episode, which is... The details the and introducing the Anderson. Getting into the Andersons and some of the details to set up the scene or the backstory for this case. Um, who we're going to be talking about is, once again, Nels and Annie Anderson, which are husband and wife. 
Um, and the crime took place December 7th, 1924, y'all. 24. So we're in the roaring 20s. Hell yeah. Gatsby days. Their deaths were considered a double homicide. Nels was born in Sweden in August 1881, and eventually he migrated to the U.S. and ended up in Mile City, Montana. While in Mile City, he met a beautiful woman who was Annie Starr, and Starr was Annie's maiden name. From there, they grew closer with time, and in August of 1913, Nels, who was 32 at the time, and Annie, who was 30 at the time, tied the knot. Following a summer wedding, they went on to have four children together and decided to dig their roots in a new city, Billings, Montana. This is the largest city in Montana at the time. I don't know if it still is now. Once in Billings, the couple were able to make many friends and were very liked throughout their community. Mm -mm. This sounds like... Too good to be true. Yeah. The double homicide of the Andersons quickly became the most shocking and notorious crime in Montana state history. This case is also one of the oldest Montana cases to date. Oh my god. Mm -hmm. That is crazy though, because the fact that this one popped up on the list before any of the other ones is insane. According to the Billings Gazette newspaper, the Andersons, Nails, who was 43 at the time, and Annie, who was 39, ran a well-known barbershop on Minnesota Avenue. Their business thrived in the hustle and bustle of downtown Billings. So they were off to a great start. Like, they were very successful, like, post-move. Um, I think this was a good move for them, for sure. To start their family, start their business, and just live out the rest of their days. Yeah, it definitely seems like a, a decent business move for both of them. And, you know, like you said, starting a family, living out the rest of their days. Yeah, I can see that. Now we get into the fateful night. December 6th, so they were, so basically, the crime took place technically December 6th at nighttime, but they were discovered the 7th, and that's kind of, and maybe the crime happened, like, after midnight, who knows, still in the middle of the night, um, but just to give some context to me saying December 6th, <laughs> that's why. So December 6th, 1924, Nell's sister, who is Anna Erickson, was at the Anderson home to watch their kids while the couple worked and closed up shop for the day. However, when Nails and Annie did not return home after closing, Anna began to worry, rightfully so. At the shop, the Andersons were supposed to be closing and locking up. They had put their coats on and were getting ready to head out for the day. However, they were approached by a latecomer. You can never trust somebody coming in right at close. Right. I would have been looking real suspicious. So why are you coming in at close for a haircut? Especially if Come you, back tomorrow. Especially if you know what time we close. Like, if you're aware. Oh, yeah. Like, and they're well known. Like, come on now. It's unknown if the client was someone that they knew or a stranger to them. I don't know, man. I don't know. It's already sounding a little suspicious. Creepy stuff, man. Creepy stuff. The next morning, Anna went to a neighbor's home and asked them to check on Nails and Annie at the shop. Two of the neighbors ended up going per the request. Once they arrived to the shop, they noticed that the Andersons' car was parked out front. The shop was dark and the front door was locked up. Though the curtains were drawn and not much could be seen inside, a six-inch gap allowed the neighbors to see directly through the window. 
but it was still too dark to make anything of the view. So it must have been real dark in there. I don't know. Nah, that's worrying as fuck. Yeah. To continue on, the neighbor then went and got the police. Upon officer arrival, they immediately went to the window and shined a flashlight through the gap to see if the Andersons were inside. Which is smart. You know, I didn't know that flashlights were around during this time. When, let me see, when was the flashlight invented? Looking it up, flashlights were invented like the beginning of 1899. So you were close. And they looked weird back then. Really? What they look like? Hmm. Looks like That's a scroll cool. or something. Yeah. So it's confirmed, y'all. January 10th, 1899. Flashlights. Were invented. But that's very smart for them to shine a flashlight through the window to see because it is dark before just like barging in. So they shine the flashlight in and what they saw was way more than they bargained for. Once they could see inside, they were stunned at the scene. A bloody mess covered the shop floor. In a barber's chair, police saw a body that appeared to be sitting and waiting for a cut. Police officers be seeing a lot of shit. And like a lot of shit. And I'm sure like probably even now but back then there definitely was no talk of ptsd therapy counseling none of that um and probably i don't even know if police officers are approved for like ptsd counseling and therapy because i'm sure they get ptsd from the type of work oh, you're doing yeah. yeah definitely and i know nowadays um it's like a lot of new officers that do get on the force and a lot of officers and even firefighters, they do have, um, you know, free, free mental health, and free help. mental health, like help. So, okay. Well, that's good. Okay. Cause I know back then this, it wouldn't have even been a thought or, you know, topic of conversation. So they saw the victim and thinking it was one of the Andersons officers broke down the door and approached them in the chair sat the body of Nels Anderson. His head had been split open with an axe. Oof. Oof. Oh my god. Yeah. That's gotta be a brutal scene. Just imagine like walking up on that. And he was wearing one glove with the other left on the floor. So he's probably, I wonder if he was in the process of putting them on. Like they were getting ready to go home. They were heading out. So, you know, throwing their coats on, putting on their gloves. Because back then people wore gloves just as a part of their outfit as an accessory if you will um so yeah that's bizarre super bizarre as for annie she was nowhere to be found within the shop which is bizarre as well even more officers followed a trail of blood that led to the shop's back door behind the shop was nell's shed and behind the shop was where police found Annie. Like her husband, she too had her head split open with the axe. She had her coat on and a hat. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah, so they were really getting ready to go home. They were locking everything up and then whatever happened, happened. About to walk out and that person was like, you know, hey, I want to cut. The axe was left lying next to her body. This was the same axe that Nels would use to chop wood for the barber shop. They had a wood-burning oven that they used to heat the shop with. So it wasn't weird that they had an axe there or a shed in the back. I'm sure the shed was to hold the wood. And then, yeah, they just had an axe there. But you know what's weird to me is, I want to say like early 1900s, 
like killing somebody with an axe was typically just the way to go. Like I don't know what it was, but there were a lot of axe murders yeah. around this time. I think of it like I can literally name three. Yeah. Well, two other ones aside from this one, like like you mentioned, like Lizzie Borden, the Vasilla axe murders. Yes. Like, yeah. It's, yeah. Just weird. I wonder what that was all about. Um, because it's definitely not the first weapon of choice nowadays. So yeah. It's very interesting. But clearly, um, using an axe as a weapon does work. It gets the job done, you know, if that's somebody's goal. There was also a bag of groceries left within the shop, implying that Annie had left at some point to grab some groceries and returned for a short period before the murders took place. Just sad. And they had like four kids waiting on them, like his sister, like everybody was just waiting on them to come home. Really, really sad. Yeah. Honestly. That's sad as hell. And then they just never made it home. Yeah. Just after work, like minding their business. Grabbing groceries, you know, about to go, like lock up, go home, spend it, spend the night with the family, cook dinner probably. Listen to some roaring twenties music. Which was fire, I might add. It really was. <laughs> it was really like jazz and blues, like, yeah. right? Yeah. It was. Um. The twenties was a very interesting time because you get you know your flappers and you get the early jazz music. You get your people smoking everywhere. Sounds like a fun time. Prohibition, of course. So then you get your little speakeasies to deal with. You know, yeah. It's a lot. But speaking of returning for a short period, we're gonna take a time to thank our sponsors, and we will see you soon. And we're back. Like a roaring twenties butt crack. Now we're gonna get into some police theories and a little bit more. Police were never able to find a motive for this gruesome crime. The cash register was left untouched, groceries were not taken, and the killer or killers did not care to go through either Nell's or Annie's pockets. That's fucking weird. Which makes me think that it was personal. Yeah. I feel like when it comes down to somebody just trying to, I don't know, like attack somebody random, more than likely they're going to like try to get something extra out of it. Yeah, I feel like... If it were a random attack, like, knowing that they were popular, knowing who they were, they definitely would have gone for... In their place of business, you know there's money in there. They definitely would have gone for the cash register. They definitely would have took, like, at least some groceries or something, you know yeah. what I mean? The fact that nothing was taken and then these crimes were just committed and then left at that says that, yeah, maybe this could have been somebody that just had a vendetta. Like a personal attack. And, yeah, because when you're, like... You know, when you're sought out to hurt somebody, that's your goal. You're not worried about taking anything else. Like, they completed their goal. They just wanted to get rid of them. And they did. So, that's what makes me think that this might be somebody they know. Or maybe somebody that one of them knows and not the both of them. Um, yeah. And then the other one was kind of just collateral. Because the way I think about it is, yeah, they were loved and liked by the town. But, of course, you always have those people that don't like you. So Always. You could have Jim, Joe, and Bob be the ones that love you. And then behind the scenes. Karen and... is the hater. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just had to. It was a perfect opportunity. I mean, hey, Karen. <laughs> Karen. <laughs> there was no sign of a break-in or a physical struggle. Police noted that the crime scene was horrifically bloody and grim. Similar to Lizzie Borden. Around 9 p.m. the night of the murders, a woman was walking past the shop. 
She claimed she saw Nels arguing with another man. Mm. Ooh. Mm. We got a witness, y'all. We got a witness. That she described to be of a darker complexion. She went further with expressing she believed that the unidentified man was possibly Mexican. How the hell she just know? How she just know that, though? Police followed this one and only tip, and it led them nowhere. Police figured the killer was either a deranged maniac or a drug fiend. Not a fiend. <laughs> and that he was a drifter who likely ditched town after committing the murders. I just want to say, like, back around this time, I feel like that was the go-to, like, excuse for these types of crimes. It was like, they were a druggie. They were a maniac. Like, they just always go to somebody being crazy. I mean, some people just do evil shit. I guess then and even now, people, it's easier for people to think the worst or what they believe is the worst so they can have a reason to give a crime a motive. Right. But sometimes that's just not the case. Like, people yeah. just do things. To continue a little further, with the theory of the suspect in mind, there was a piece of evidence that suggests another possibility. It is possible the killer wasn't just a maniacal lunatic or a druggie, but the complete opposite, a meticulous and methodical killer. I can get behind that because literally, like, looking at what the scene was and how it was and nothing was taken and, you know, just the facts of the case so far, definitely methodical because... Definitely meticulous once I get a little further. But why do you think it's methodical? Because, think about it, you had to know when they are about to close. You had to know, like, when exactly they were going to leave to even come and do what you did. Or what door they're leaving out of. I mean, what if they did leave out the back door, usually? Like, you have to know. So, yeah, I agree. But definitely meticulous, and here's why. Notably, the suspect left not one fingerprint at the scene. Police believe that the killer wore gloves during the attacks. The murder weapon itself had also been wiped down on the handle. So they were like cleaning up after themselves, like, which is crazy to think about during this time because I don't remember knowing that like DNA evidence was a thing around this time. Lastly, the murderer locked up the shop and disappeared into the night. So yeah, they took it to the extent of locking up the shop to make it appear as if they actually locked up and left. Or like they locked up and were about to walk to their car and somebody like approached them from there. But all of this was inside of the shop. This is too strategic and too like thought out. Like the way yeah. they tried to cover it out was very thought out. Yeah, I mean, and they had to like, which is weird, they didn't take anything else, but they had to have taken the keys in order to lock up the shop. The horrifying murders of the Andersons quickly spread to nearby towns. However, even with word spreading, no suspects have ever emerged from the shadows. It has been almost 100 years since the murder of the Andersons, and the real question here is, will they ever get justice oh. after 100 years? in 1924. That concludes all of the information, all of the details, and the aftermath of this case. Very short, not simple whatsoever. Um, but this case was very interesting for me because as I was reading the information and we were having these conversations, 
I can almost picture just like the scene itself and you know just like what it was like around this time like in the 20s I mean it's a very different time I wonder what the barbershop looked like I mean I could just picture like somebody sitting in a barbershop chair blood splatter everywhere like ugh, eerie it's a very eerie scene a very eerie sight it's so chilling to me is the fact that um, from pictures of people in the 20s, everybody dressed so dapper and so yes. nice. So, so like, nice. for such a gruesome crime to take place, knowing the time period, like... It's weird to yeah. put two and two together, for sure. But then you think about it, and it's like, you think about the Gilded Era. You know, you think about, like, the Renaissance ages and, like, the Victorian era and whatnot. Um, they were like beheading folks and being real wild, like in their those fancy ass dresses and wigs. So I don't know. It's hard to wrap your mind about around like people being of such high status and like respect for themselves and each other just based off of how they dress and you know everyday practices. But yeah, I mean they're people. It was everyday. I mean shit. It was just like now, like people are gonna do shit. Yeah, I can definitely agree with that. But then I think people often forget, especially with time periods like this, um, bad shit could still happen. And they would always highlight the good parts of these time periods. And the caucasity of it all, to me, is whenever we talk about our history, like, uh, I hate to always bring race into this, but, like, white people, I don't think they really understand that, like, the history that they know and love is not the same history for everybody else. Let that simmer. The same history, like, say, for example, Antebellum, how, like, in the South, they throw, like, Antebellum parties, and because they like the, the way they dressed, and, you know, that's fine. Like, they want to celebrate that time period of fashion or whatever, but keep in mind life for whites around that time was bliss it was nice but it wasn't nice for minorities and other communities and groups of people um i don't think that a lot of i mean some do but i don't think that every white person necessarily understands the gravity of <clears throat> celebrating and you know worshiping our history and how much they love it when like, they only love the parts that white people got to love and appreciate and live. And it's like I said, it's like I said, um, people often choose to see the, the lighter side of these time periods. But there's two sides to every coin, and I feel like both sides and every story should be observed um, with a very open lens. Because I feel like... For that reason alone, like you just stated, um, people like to like the way they dress, this and that, but they're completely ignorant to the fact of the real shit that was happening during those time periods. Exactly. To people that didn't look like them. Right. Yeah. So, enough um, about us getting on our little, you know, racial soapbox, yeah. but we have to. I mean, this is what we do. There's so many big podcasts out there, um, big content creators, big YouTubers, social media influencers, social media stars, whatever you want to call it, um, that have these platforms and whether they're minorities or not. Not a lot of people want to have these types of conversations, especially in the podcast community. Um, something that I've noticed personally, and I feel like 
it's a good thing that we bring it up. Like, yeah, sure, it might be annoying to some people, but guess what? It needs to be heard. And, and if nobody else is going to say it, deeper than most will. With all that being said, we're going to get into our wind down, our kind words, and we're going to tell you how you can keep supporting us and keep loving us. So our first wind down is, do you think this was a crime of passion or opportunity? <sighs> passion. Okay, why? Like I mentioned earlier, if it were a crime of opportunity, that motherfucker would have been like, give me the loop. And... <sighs> yeah, no, I can completely agree. I think it's a crime of passion as well because everything just happened too strategically. Like, someone comes to get their hair cut at the closing hours. And then next thing you know, the owners are, you know having their lives taken, they're getting their shop closed by some random stranger. If it was a stranger, it's no surprise that they probably would have opened, like, willingly opened their doors to this person, been like, all right, we're going to let you get this last cut, and then that's it. Or, you know, if the person was pretending to be in need or just needing assistance or help, it's not uncommon for people of that time to be like, yeah, come on in, like, let me fix you some tea. Do you need help? Like, da 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 da. What can I do? People don't do that these days because of shit like that. Like, you know, because things happen. Um, but back then, yeah, even if it was a stranger, it is possible because they wouldn't have had to break in. They wouldn't have had to fight or tussle if somebody was pretending to be in pain or in need of help. Our next wind down. Do you think there was one killer or possibly multiple? From what I've seen, um, like I said, there was no tussle or anything, so it could have could have been one person. It could have been one person because things just happened too strategically, in my personal opinion. Right. So it definitely. So you think it's one? Yeah, it could have been one person, but also to entertain the possibility of there being multiple people, say someone was a distraction, and then. Oh, okay. So not two people like killing them, but right. like one was there to like get into the place and then they were like all right fine i don't need a cut and they go to walk out and somebody just rushes in there type mm -hmm. of situation so like my final answer is i personally believe it was one killer but if i were to entertain the possibility of multiple that's how i think it would play out okay so i think it was one killer as well but it just doesn't seem as likely as multiple and my reasoning for this is because there were two victims. This was not a gun. This was not a knife. This was an axe. This is a weapon that you have to wield. It is a weapon that is heavy. It is a weapon that takes a lot of energy, a lot of willpower, um, rage. Maybe anger could have been a part of this crime. But it's hard for me to think that a husband and a wife would not try to defend or protect each other. I mean, like... But see, also, I'm kind of contradicting myself here because say, for example, the killer hacked at Nels first, you know, I don't know how Nels got in the chair, but he hacked at Nels first and boom, he's dead. Upon Annie witnessing this, it would make sense if she ran out the back door towards the shed or just towards anywhere, the killer chased her out. That's why she ended up in a completely different location and then got her. And that's why the weapon was left with her because she was killed second. Now, that's my possibility. That's what I think. But I also think that it would just be easier to carry out with two people. Like say, 
you know, somebody was killing Annie first or they, you know, they killed Annie first back there behind the business by the shed uh, while, you know, the other person was holding Nels back as he watched. And then they walked him back inside, sat him in the chair, probably talked to him, had that argument that the woman saw and hacked at him. That those are my two possibilities. <laughs> so to further like expound on our theory of well, my theory of like being a single killer, and to answer your question of how Nels possibly ended up in the chair, um, like I said, this was very strategic, and they were well known. So it isn't far fetched that maybe that drifter or, or stranger or whatever may have been lurking around town for a little bit, heard about the shop, going in, you know, last minute to get a cut. And he had been scoping the place out, possibly, right? Right. Figuring out which door they come in, go out, whatever, whatever. So take it to when he does come to the shop and ask for his cut, maybe he snuck around the back where the shed is, right? And maybe, Mm, maybe, maybe Andy was already back there about to come in, you know, tell Nels, hey, I have the groceries. We can get ready to go or whatever, whatever. And he took care of her. And then he goes in the shop and Nels is surprised because there's this, you know, this guy is in your shop with an axe now after he just asked you, you know, for a cut, maybe. But wouldn't the axe be left with nails? And oh. cops noticed a trail leading from the shop to the shed. Mm-hmm. The lady seeing somebody through the window, just because she only saw one person doesn't mean there only was one person. Right. So, yeah, that's how we feel about that. I like how deep we got with that question because that was a good one. Our last and final one down is, do you believe trends like the tattoo trend can be seen as a harmful gesture? And this is referring to the Stranger Things tattoo DOM that we talked about earlier. Um, like I said, if it is ill-willed, there's ill intent behind it, yes, it's a harmful gesture. Like, ignorance, I mean, it's not all, it's not always an excuse, but like, I didn't even know that this was like the truth, but I didn't know that that was the truth behind this, the meaning of this tattoo. So if I like, I love the show. If I were to go get that, like, yeah, I'd kind of be like, oh shit. Like I didn't know I wasn't trying to do this. Like it was just because I love this show. Like, you know, but I don't know. It doesn't necessarily excuse my ignorance. I should be educated on certain topics. Not saying that everybody needs to know everything, but yeah, but I don't know. Um, Yeah, I just don't think that it's harmful unless there's ill intention behind it. Yes, I think it can be a harmful gesture. It It may not be seen as that initially, but the reason I say yes is because it could spark more people to do it, right? Right. And then that perpetuates those views throughout society. Even if people, like, don't know, it's still those people that do know, like, it's still hurtful to them. You know what I mean? That makes sense, actually. Yeah, it is still harmful to somebody. Yeah. And that's been our wind down. And now we can get into the best part of the, the best part of the show, in my opinion, the kind words. Oh, yeah. I think that's my favorite part as well. Kind words or the DLMs. Mm-hmm. I love, like, just talking about crazy little weird shit. And being nice that be happening yeah and we just love saying like kind shit i don't know i feel like everybody needs to hear it keep striving dude keep striving goals are meant to be met and achieved so get there hell yeah take the time to educate yourself 
um, you know, always try to learn, always try to expand your mind. Knowledge is the most valuable thing that anybody can own, that anybody can acquire. Um, and I don't know, like you can low key flex on people with some knowledge. You can, you know, like that's a whole flex. Like, knowing shit. <laughs> yeah, like little random shit too. Like just break yeah. out. Like, hey, did you know XYZ, XYZ? Speaking of did you knows, we like to post did you knows on our Instagram stories mm -hmm. for the podcast Instagram. Nice. Yeah, good. Thank you. And that's just a quick little way to expand your knowledge, even when you're not tuning into our episodes. Because we do like to try to educate you guys in our episodes, but... I mean, sometimes you don't want to sit here for an hour or an hour and a half or 30 minutes to get a bit of knowledge. Like, just watch our Instagram story. You'll get a quick picture, a quick did you know, and boom, you know. <laughs> Check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you listen to your podcast. Make sure you leave a like. Make sure you comment. Make sure you share. Make sure you subscribe if you're watching on YouTube. Um, leave a written review. Send in your questions on our Instagram at Deeper Than Most PC. We even have an email address, which is Deeper Than Most PC at gmail.com. So please, 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 please send your requests, send your thoughts, send your messages. Did you mention the Facebook page? Oh, and. Deeper Than Most be on Facebook. And, and, and. Gets even deeper, even better. Like you said, we post, like she said, we post Did You Knows all the time. But our official Deeper Than Most Facebook group page. Gives you a little bit more insight on our humor, our upcoming episodes, and just some cool stuff to talk about. Yeah, we have a little random conversations over there. Um, also, we had a TikTok, but we haven't been able to log into it for a couple months, y'all. So, we might just make a new one, or we might just give up. Because we aren't too keen on TikTok anyway. <laughs> yeah, I feel old so, we'll see. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and this has been episode 63. You know what that means. You have 62 other episodes to check out, including our lovely short stuff bonuses. <laughs> uh, Especially the one about Lizzie Borton. Mm, check it out. Stay light, stay bright, stay positive. I've been your host, DJ. And I've been your host, Sab. Catch us next week on Deeper, Deeper Than, Than Most. Most.